clock strikes upon the hour, and the sun begins to fade. Still enough time to figure out how to chase my blues away. I've done all right up to now. It's the light of day that shows me how. And when the night falls, loneliness calls. I want to dance with somebody who loves me. Whitney Houston. Hey, hi, and hello. Welcome to Creative Forever, the podcast dedicated to keeping you forever inspired, forever motivated, forever creative, and forever you. I am your host, Janet, a.k.a. JM, a.k.a. the voice inside your head, a.k.a. your biggest fan. And together, we're going to get some creative shit done. Today, today we are going to talk about audience. I am really, really happy to have this chat. I have been very excited about this episode. Um, But before we get into that, first, let's do a February check-in. So it's basically the end of February 2020, which means award season is over. You know, the Golden Globes, the Oscars, the SAG Awards, the Independent Spirit Awards, all the awards. Uh, That's done We're able to put that in a box till next year. We are also knee-deep in Black History Month, and it's always great to see the events and marketing campaigns that, you know, happen in order to bring awareness to Black people and their important and often overlooked histories, legacies, contributions, and accomplishments. Um, But I wanted to talk about two things that involve Black History Month and award season just to um, calibrate you is the word, I guess, (laughs) just to calibrate you on how Creative Forever treats February. So first, awards and events. Actor awards, movie awards, especially the Oscars are always a big event um, at this time of year. And they used to be a big event in my social circles, especially when I lived in Los Angeles. It was our Super Bowl. It was a part of being creative and living in LA, to care about the Oscars from what they wore, the suits and dresses, to the parties that people went to at the end of the night. But in 2008, I lost my enthusiasm for it. And it was because I realized that I would have these highs and lows. I would swing wildly between I'm a creative genius and crippling depression. And all of this was triggered in 2008 when Diablo Cody was nominated for four Oscars for the movie Juno, and she won the Oscar for Best Screenplay. And the whole story leading up to the Oscars was that she had written this screenplay in seven weeks in a Starbucks. Her winning really affected me because it made me think, this is the measurement. This is how it works. I should be able to write an award-winning something in seven weeks. But of course, I couldn't do that. And because I couldn't do it, I felt like a failure. And when the awards season next year, 2009, crept up, all of that depression and lack of confidence surfaced again. And I would think, I still haven't written something. And another whole year has passed. And Diablo Cody was able to do it in seven weeks. And since I can't do it, I'm a failure. And so the thing that I used to love so much, the time of year where we would drink and talk trash about movies and eat lots of food and get dressed up sometimes and then nobody goes to work on Monday. I started to hate that time of year. 
I started to feel like the only way I could win that weekend was if I sat down and wrote on that day instead of enjoyed the festivities that day. It was almost like I was punishing myself. I don't have what these people have. I'm not winning these awards and it's because I'm not working hard enough. So on that day, I'm going to work really, really hard. And I would write or I would do whatever it was that I was trying to do um, to be a better creative person on that day instead of participate in the Oscars. Now, years later, I've leveled out. I don't participate in the awards season, but I don't hate it with a passion anymore either because I don't think hating the Oscars is the healthy alternative. I think it was important for me to stop consciously or subconsciously using the award shows to measure my own success. I didn't realize I was doing that. I didn't realize that by, you know, making a big to-do and fuss about the Oscars and celebrating that weekend, I was actually just sort of glamorizing this creative award show in a way that was unhealthy for me. And in an effort to keep our eyes on the things that accurately measure our success, we won't do any sort of award season hubbub here. And that goes for book award season and any other franchise or community that builds hype around giving out awards to creatives. Now, we will mention worthy accolades when talking about someone or a piece of work, but we will not be in the business of glamorizing the very idea of awarding creative people. It doesn't do our psyches any good, it doesn't do our creativity any good, and it gets in the way of each of us deciding how we want to measure our own creative success because there are a hundred million different ways to measure creative success, and that's a topic we will talk about at a later date. All right, the second thing you should know about February and the Creative Forever podcast. As I said before, February is Black History Month, but... And some of you can guess what I'm about to say. Every month is Black History Month as far as I'm concerned, okay? (laughs) We will be talking about Black people often on this show. It's one of my goals for the podcast. So yeah, it's going to happen. Now, please understand that I do participate in Black History Month and you should too. I just want you to know that here on this podcast, we will not have a Black History Month book reading or a special episode brought to you by Black History Month where we call out all the things just because it's February. Black creatives, their histories, legacies, contributions, and accomplishments will be folded into our weekly get-togethers on this show because it's part of the Creative Forever mission statement. And if you haven't heard our mission statement, please check out the very first episode where it's all laid out. Okay. So this week is really special. First of all, we released two episodes. You're getting this episode and an episode uh, that is our book chat. Um, But on this episode, the main show is going to be talking about audience. We are going to talk about why you should think about your audience when you create something, who your audience is and isn't, and how to figure out the audience for your creative endeavor. So uh, I hope you enjoy Let's jump in. So how important is audience when you create something? Well, I think if you want people to experience your creativity more than once, then it's pretty freaking important, right? Most artists are looking to make more than one first impression. 
And um, I don't know if I can think of anyone that said, I just want to be creative one time. It's not that kind of gig. People that sign up to be creative usually want to do it more than once. And usually they want people to experience it in some way. Even if you, you know, sh- draw something and show it to one person, you're sharing it. You're, you're asking people to experience it. That's the truth for most creative people. So that means the experience you create has to be intentional, especially if you want a large audience to see it, to enjoy it to experience it in a positive way, whatever that might be. It could be a scarf. You want whoever you hand that scarf to, to see it in a, in a great way, to experience it in a great way, and to uh, express appreciation, right? So this means you have to create intentionally, whatever it is, right? You want to keep your followers, your readers, the people buying your scarves. You want to keep butts in seats if you're doing film. We used to talk about that a lot uh, when I worked on movies and marketing. The goal was butts in seats. And you had to make that happen again and again and again. Our work toward that goal was very intentional and always had to be you know, based on or targeting a specific group of people. For TV, it's about the episodes, right? Each episode has to have intention so that the targeted audience will tune in for the next episode or will keep binge watching. For books, it's each page, each chapter. The goal is to keep you reading, turning the page, and writers have to do that intentionally, which means some work is going to be involved, of course. We all know that. No one accidentally gains and maintains an audience. And that goes for large audiences as well as small audiences full of diehard fans, right? Tweeting is a great example for this. Those tweets that randomly go viral never end up transforming the life of the person that tweeted it unless they are able to actively keep that audience with subsequent tweets. You know exactly what I'm talking about. A tweet goes viral, you see it because... They got 10,000 likes. Um, It's a witty remark. You follow. And a week later, that person is back to like 10 likes. And it's just because everything they've done since that viral tweet is trash or everything they've done since that viral tweet has nothing to do with anything that you are interested in, right? It was just that one witty remark that really sort of made you believe that you were their audience. But now you're like, no, 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 they're not any good. People that are able to be successful as creatives, including people that are just really good at tweeting, are very clear on who their audience is, and they are able to intentionally deliver to those people over and over and over again. Now, not everyone agrees with me on this. Here are two responses I've heard many times when talking about the importance of having a specific audience in mind when being creative. First one. Some creatives have said to me that they don't care about an audience, that thinking about your audience when you create something is a mistake because artists have to make art for themselves and themselves alone, right? They have to make themselves happy. And I don't want to be rude, so I don't just shoot them down right there. But in my head, my response to that is, if you're creating something for just yourself, why are we even talking about it? But the reason we're talking about it is because something else is happening. They do want to create work for other people. They do want to create work that other people care about and are interested in. But when they say they don't create stuff for anyone else, what they're really saying is they are creating it for people like them. So 
this person is talking to me because somehow they believe we are like-minded. And so now we're talking about creativity, but in their head, they made it for them. They just know I would like it. No, no, no. They made it for people like them. They were inspired by themselves, as we all are, especially during our first creations, right? And they want to make something that speaks to them and thus speaks to people like them. Their audience isn't non-existent. So yeah, I don't subscribe to the idea that you should only make art for yourself because you're not really doing that anyway. You're making it for people in your bubble, however small or big that bubble might be. People just like you. The second response I've gotten when talking to people about audience and creativity, and this one is the one that's going to fuck you up every time. When creators say, I'm creating this for everyone. The demographic is 16 to 64. Everyone. No, 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 no. Okay. We might think that's what we're doing, but we're not. And we don't want to be. The world is too large. There are too many types of people and situations in this world to be creating stuff for everyone. And unless you speak all the languages, you can't create for everyone. America's the worst at this. If you are an American, chances are you already don't actively consider the rest of the world on a daily basis, let alone <laughs> when you're creating. I, it's hard to hear maybe, but it is ingrained in us as Americans to think about no one but ourselves. So we certainly are not creating for everyone, okay? And if you're trying to make something that reaches everyone, that pleases everyone, that everyone will respond to, your work will suffer. Not to mention, you'll drive yourself insane and probably end up abandoning your project because of it. I'm not saying your themes can't be for everyone, that your themes can't be universal. You can have themes that everyone can relate to. Love is a universal theme, right? But a queer love story about two trans people of color has a targeted audience. The theme is universal, but the audience has been thought about, is targeted, and intentional. And then if people outside of that targeted audience enjoy whatever it is you've created about this queer love story with two trans people of color, that's great. But you start with your target. So think about your audience when you are preparing to write, perform, stream, shoot a film, start a podcast, create a line of products to sell on Etsy. And if you can't figure out who your audience is, then it probably means you aren't clear about what it is you're wanting to create. This has happened with me in this podcast. Everything's happened with me in this podcast. At first, I was going to inspire everyone, right? I was like, yeah, just, you know, it's everyone. Let's just do it. Well, that's impossible. I just explained it's impossible. Then I decided on creatives. And that is better, but it is still not specific enough, to be honest. So I've drilled down to creatives like me for now, which means people of color, people in marginalized communities, queer people, people that care deeply about the world around them. And honestly, I, I think I've got to get more specific than that. Again, if there are people outside of those communities that enjoy this, that's fantastic. But I have to be very intentional, intentional. <laughs> about what I am doing so that I am able to do it consistently and with clarity over and over and over again. 
And I can do that because as I work, as I create episodes, I'm thinking about my audience, I'm tweaking things, and I'm going to uh, get feedback, right? I'm, I'm going to be asking you all, um, I feel like maybe I already have, to you know, send me notes at hello at Creative Forever, whatever, to just give me feedback about what you like, what you want to see happen on the show, what you'd love to talk about. And that will help me sort of drill down and um, be able to do what I want to do, but also meet the needs of my audience and, um, and you know, make some magic happen right there in the middle. And again, the cool part is I will probably reach people outside of my target audience and you will do the same. But those people that you find outside of your targeted audience that respond to your work, your humor, your brain, your creativity, but otherwise have nothing in common with you, they are the icing on the cake. They are the bonus, the extra success that you can enjoy. But we still have to create with focus, knowing who we want to connect with as we work. All right, so what if you are having trouble identifying your audience? What if you were thinking it's everybody and now you want to focus in? What do you do? As always, check out the links in the show notes for a few suggestions from other people who have thoughts on this. Here are mine. Number one, go back to the beginning. What is your idea and why is it important to you? Creative people should get into the habit of identifying why something is important to them, whether it be drawing or starting a company. For the drawing, something as simple as a drawing on one sheet of paper, you might start with, I'm drawing this because I like it. Okay, well, why? Because it's pretty. Okay, why do you find it pretty? Because it's pink. Hmm, why do you like pink? Uh, it's my favorite color. Well, okay, why? Uh, I don't know. My mom really liked pink. Okay, so this reminds you of your mother. I guess a little bit. <laughs> and it might sound strange, but there's the answer. This drawing is important because it's pretty, it's pink, and it reminds this, you know, hypothetical, theoretical person of their mother. From there, it's easy to figure out what the audience is for this one drawing. People who like pretty things that are pink. A majority of them will probably identify as female. And if this person really wants to target mothers, they now have a deeper focus to inspire them as they draw. It's the same with uh, starting a company, starting a book, YouTube channel. Just start at the beginning. Why is this important to you? And ask yourself a follow-up question to each answer. When you get specific enough, you will be able to identify your audience. Okay, second suggestion. If you are already in the middle of a project and feel like your audience is thin, even though you've been at it for a long time, or it's just a weird vibe, you know, you like getting responses from people, but you're like, these people are not what I was trying. This is weird. I'm having conversations with people I did not expect I would be having. And it's not just one person. It's like all of them. I would start with a survey because um, I think you would need to find out why this group of people are responding to you so that you could then look at that and say, is that what I mean to do? Am I doing this intentionally or accidentally? Ask questions like, what do you like best about what I'm doing? What do you think would make it better? Things like that. Nice and simple, right? Now, you'll need to develop a little bit of a tough skin because asking people for critique or feedback is not for the faint of heart, right? There is always going to be some asshole with the most unhelpful advice, with little to no knowledge of how to offer it, and has been clearly waiting for you to ask them what you what they think. 
<laughs> but you can mitigate this by, you know, doing a survey that has multiple choices um, or talking to people one-on-one so it's not like a, you know, very formal situation where somebody just trashes you in front of a bunch of other people. <laughs> you can even preface the conversation about your work with boundaries. Request that people just give you a short answer. And if you know someone you don't want feedback from, like that one person, just don't ask them. It's so easy. If your gut is telling you that so-and-so is going to do more harm than good, do yourself a favor, leave them off the list until you're ready to hear whatever it is they have to say. Third suggestion, find someone that is doing what you want to do and see who their audience is. And this one, research, is crucial. You have to have knowledge about the space that you are in. And that includes your competition. That includes people that have inspired you to do what you want to do. You've got to study them, study their audiences. You will learn a lot and be able to use that information to focus in on what you want for your creative journey. So that is it. A little audience talk for the week. If you have questions, thoughts, you want to just say hello, hit me up at hello at creativeforever.com. Find me on Instagram. Find me on Twitter. Don't forget to be creative this week, even if you just think about it. Later.